0: Stephen Kotler, the author of a new book entitled Stealing Fire How Silicon Valley, the Navy SEALs, and Maverick Scientists Are Revolutionizing the Way We Live and Work. In my recent interview with Stephen, we explored the boundaries of human possibility and the tools and techniques being developed by today's high performing individuals and organizations. From our business lives to our personal lives, people are finding the way to push the limits of human performance. And Stephen's new book exposes exactly what is happening. Through countless interviews and stories, Stephen and his co-author, Jamie Wow provide example after example of people that are utilizing four key forces that allow us to reach our highest human potential. To learn more, I encourage you to listen to podcast number 619. If you want to learn more about the book Stealing Fire and Stephen Kotler, please go to www.stealingfirebook.com or you can go to Stephen's website at www.stevenkotler.com and order the book. Thanks for listening to Inside Personal Growth and please return for more great interviews. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg, voice the host of Inside Personal Growth.
1: And I want to thank all of my listeners um, who come, Lee, from all over the world to listen to these podcasts, the words of wisdom from authors like yourself. And we have a returning author. Um, I did an interview with Lee about his other book called Blinded by Progress. And today we're going to be speaking with him about his new book, Called from Egos to Eden: Our Heroic Journey to Keep Earth Livable, and this is Lee Van Ham. You can actually look this book up on Amazon as well. Lee, good day to you. How are you?
2: Thank you. It's good to be with with you and and um, talk about this this new book, which of course I've been working on, and I'm and I feel a, a lot of excitement around it.
1: Well, I'm glad that you do, and it's, it's a great book, and I've got a series of questions I think that will get our listeners excited about uh, learning to learn more and go to the website. And if you do want to learn more about Lee, I'll just say that right now, you can go to the oneearthproject.com, oneearthproject.com. Lee, I'm going to tell him a bit about you. Um, he co-directs the U.S.-Mexico nonprofit Jubilee Economics, focused on one earth living. Um, Lee was born to tenant farming family in Iowa. He pastored in the Midwest for 32 years before switching to work explicitly on interplay between justice, ecology, economics, and spirituality. He and his spouse Juanita relocated from Chicago to San Diego in 2002, where they shared living with another household they have grown children and six grandchildren. Well, we, we might as well start this off with, you know, in, in the other book that you wrote that I already interviewed for you, the premise behind uh, Blinded by Progress um, was that we as a species are utilizing the resources of a multi-Earth, not a one-Earth living situation, um, which is devastating our environment. What, in your estimation, are the leading of states of consciousness, or I'm going to say actually the really unconsciousness, um, that have led us to this multi-Earth perspective um, that so many people uh, have been living with for so long?
2: Yes, I, um, I do re- refer to the, the stages of consciousness uh, or different uh, topographies of consciousness, I like to call them, in the second book, and uh, so it it uh, becomes clear there. I describe how that uh, a multi earth consciousness happens when we remain in a an in ego kind of consciousness. The five topographies of consciousness I used. They start. It starts off with magical consciousness and imperial consciousness, and when we stay in those uh, ego-centered consciousness uh, topographies, we um, will inevitably live in a multi-earth way. So we have to develop a uh, a higher consciousness, or I actually prefer calling it just moving into larger topographies of consciousness, where the ego is no longer in charge, but we move to a different center of identity, uh, and I call it the, I, the center of the self. I follow Carl Jung, this bliss psychiatrist, in, in, with those, that terminology, and when we shift our identities to the center of the self, then we, in fact, become capable of living a one earth kind of life and structure societies in that way.
1: Well as you mentioned, you know, in the book, it truly has been devastating to the environment. You state that there is an ecologically healthy garden that lives deep within each of our souls as human beings. How do you believe we're going to tap that part of our soul so that we can live this one earth model so that we can reduce the amount of waste and pollution and it's more than that. It's really about a consciousness that has to shift in society. So, what do you what do you believe we're going to have to tap into as part of that to make that happen?
2: Yes, I think the um, the ego consciousness knows about the garden, but thinks about it as as a a place of like, oh, good. Now, what can I get from that? Um, and uh so that that approach to the garden uh doesn't work and it uh, in fact means we can never really gain access to to truly living in the garden we're always living outside of of that of that garden the garden isn't so much a a, um, a geographical place as as it is that that deep aspirational um uh Imagina- imagination, uh, where we're drawn to this because it's deep within us and we believe that it's possible to, um, to uh, live in uh, whatever environment we are in, be it desert, mountain, Great Plains, wherever, where we believe we can live with, uh, in that as a place of, of, of garden ecology, of one earth ecology. And uh, we tap into it by getting into um, a, uh, a diff- that different center of identity where we live out of our total self and not just out of our ego. Uh, and once we, once we move into that larger identity, then um, uh, the energy of the garden really becomes uh, vital for us in our, in, in our lives and how we structure our lives society,
1: well, you know much of what you speak about is this ego soul dynamics in the book. And you know, you speak about the death of our ego as the center of our identity, um, that resurrecting this what do we call the the center of self, what's required in your estimation to live in what would be more of an egoless state? And more in our soul state. What do do we have to know about ourselves um, to be coming more from this position of soul versus this position of ego? How do we hear the soul? I think it's drowned out so many times by our our, uh, ego telling us we need more, we have to do more, we have to be more. Um, And the soul isn't being heard uh, by most of the people.
2: Yes, yes, uh, so the, the, you know the subtitle of the book is, is really uh, critical at this point because I talk about the heroic journey to keep Earth livable. And it's also uh, it's uh, psychologically speaking, it's the heroic journey from ego identity to the greater self, the topography of the greater self. And so it's, it, that journey is both a psychological, spiritual journey. And also one that has um, uh, that creates a different uh, kind of world around us. That creates different societies, and different governments, and different economies, if we will take that journey. But the 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 journey um, uh, as. Well, it's a classical classical journey I mean I, I didn't make it up it, it's it's the one it's one that comes in lots of mythologies Joseph Campbell did a lot of yeah, uh, the, well,
1: the thousand faces is really Joseph Campbell's uh, seminal work or one of them right and that is what you're you're making reference to
2: right yes exactly and then Christopher Vogler does a lot of work with with it in uh I mean he, he's working all the time as a consultant with storytellers and movie makers in in deepening their storyline so that it um benefits from the deeper dramas of the heroic journey. I mean we see this happening in George Lucas's films, we um see it happening in um uh in The Lion King, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, some of these places. But, um, uh, so, so by, by tapping into the Cerulean journey, uh, idea or our structure, uh, I then apply it to our current, uh, ecological crises. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that, that's how it becomes, uh, as I tell it, that's how it becomes a, an integration of the psychological, the spiritual, and
1: the, um,
2: Work with our environment and societies uh, in our external world.
1: Yeah, no, so commentary, kind of sard bar. I mean, you obviously didn't expect this question, but I think it's relevant to 2017, the time living. we're living. We're speaking here uh, for my listeners, it's March 1st. Um, you know, look, everybody in this country today is, there's a huge divide because of the new administration. Um, We have people on both sides of the fence, um, many more angry than others about what this particular administration proposes to do, not only to ecology, but I think to the consciousness, uh, which is more important. Could you give your commentary about what you believe is currently happening at this point, this current critical juncture in time? And what is it that the average person out there listening to this podcast should get involved in doing? Uh,
2: it, yes, I I think it's I think the um, From Egos to Eden actually uh, does give us a framework in which to recognize um, the awesome power of people and ego and and it's a very it's, it's a very immature consciousness if i'm when i'm functioning out of ego conscious i'm functioning with a lot of fear i function with a lot of of i i i i i am very concerned that everything has to be mine i have to possess it i have to own it uh and, and of course we, we see this in in dramatic fashion uh in the current uh administration that's running but the truth is it's been a part of of, of our um, administrations of both political parties. The movement from ego to the deeper self, the greater self, it, it is not... Uh, I mean, that's something that, that any political party needs to do. All, all political parties need to do it. And the only way we are really going to be able to address the ecological crises, the multiple crises we are in on our planet is by in fact making that journey. So until we see, um, it'll be very important to see some political leadership, some economic leadership that, uh, wishes to do that. But until that happens, um, I think that, uh, I mean, there, there are so many people and I, and I, uh, I I cite especially, I have a whole chapter on indigenous peoples. Indigenous peoples who've lived according to traditional uh, ways and spiritualities have practiced hundreds of years of resistance to ego-dominated society. And uh, I believe that the call to the heroic journey is a call to resistance of uh, uh, ego-built Societies, and uh, we n- need to learn to create um, societies that, in fact, uh, work in the larger topographies of consciousness, which, in the book uh, following uh, actually David Corton, I call cultural consciousness and spiritual consciousness.
1: Mm-hmm. Really now, an active... Go ahead. You, you state that the consciousness it takes to um you know, I I take that back. You state that the works of Thomas Barry and his book, The Great Work, of which I have to admit I haven't read it. Um what is the cosmos story that Barry's telling that and what can people who are out there listening to this podcast learn from the great work and the cosmos story?
2: Yes. Um uh, hey, Thomas Thomas Barry was really um, is really very helpful uh, of course his his language is grand and and it, it's very accessible but he it, it is just a marvelously expansive consciousness himself and uh, his work continues at the Center for uh, ecozoic studies uh, directed by Herman green and that's worth paying uh, attention to for us uh, going forward but um, Thomas Berry was eager to, to distinguish between the story of human civilization and the story of our planet. That the story of human civilization always had a context to it, and the context was that of the planet. Whereas the planet's context was not civilization, but was, was, was uh, the cosmos. Um, what we need is a very grand story, egos are scared to death of those grand stories and will put them down and will deny them and will act like they aren't really very good and that their plan is superior to it. And we see that going on uh, all around us. Um, But uh, Thomas Berry uh, calls us to a story uh, in which we live in that larger topography that we, we... Move into that consciousness that uh, is unsettled with any circum uh, anything to circumscribe our story, except for uh, we can call it creation, we can call it nature, we can call it cosmos. Um, it's it's. Uh, the, the story that does not improve on nature, but that learns to live within the, the magnificence and abundance of nature, and uh, Thomas Berry does a great job of helping us discover um, that our true uh, that our true greatness as as a species that we are in fact evolved in the whole evolutionary process to be a species. And live within creation, with a lot of consciousness within nature, and not not we are not evolved to live outside and above uh, nature. So that's that's why I think Thomas Berry's story is such an important one. It's such a spiritual one, and it's one that we can all learn about. I mean, a, a man like Frank Egler, the the field biologist, says, you know, our our minds not only do not know all that, I'm paraphrasing here, but our minds do not only um, not know all that nature uh, has to offer us, but they cannot know it. it, it so he it, it recognizes that there's a spirituality to this, that there's a mystery to it. And that mystery is something that egos don't handle well. But the self loves to live within the, the, the provision and the abundance of, of mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, along the lines of the great work, um, you know, you, you state that the consciousness that it takes to sort out what serves the great work, which is what Thomas varies, and what serves civilization is colored by time, money, and effort, and investment in learning and living civilization's way. Yeah, you mentioned that we kind of have that wrong. What is wrong, and how do we shift our thinking about the universal mistakes we have made as a civilization? And in reference here, really this mental default setting that you know that is is been, it, that has happened.
2: Uh, I, I mean, we're we're very proud of of civilization, and there are endless. Stories that talk about the great achievements of civilization.
0: <clears throat> um,
2: I, I believe uh, strongly that civilization is, in fact, and uh, the achievement of an immature consciousness. That uh, civil—I I mean, just the very word—we're we're trying to civilize something that that needs to be tamed or changed. Uh, it's it, on its own. It's not. <clears throat> it's not. Um, well, it doesn't serve our ends i mean what what is this what did this very word civilization suggest that we're needing to to um, make something behave in our way um and that's um that's a project that we've been at for about ten 000, twelve thousand years, <clears throat> but it's gotten us to where. Uh, we are now. I mean, the, the, the feedback loop on the civilization project has been slow, but we're now uh, at a place where we recognize that this project has to change radically. That, in fact, it needs um, needs to come to an end, and we need to break through to a whole different kind of, of world. And, and deep in ourself, we know that that world, that other kind of world, is possible. But um, egos are going to continue to talk about how great civilization is, and um, we're going to continue to look at all the, the, the magical, technological, and medical advances and herald them as, uh, as, as the extraordinary feats, which in many, uh, which has a lot of truth in it. But but yet it pales compared to what the beauty is. But the truth is of finding our true identity as homo sapiens, as human beings uh, within the context of, of a creational and cosmic order uh, for which we're evolutionarily um, designed and intended. Uh, so that's, that's the vision that we really need to live into. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a great work. It's a heroic journey. Yeah, uh, we're fully we're fully capable of it, and um, that's that's why I'm excited about the book because it's really about reinventing who we are as human beings.
1: Well, I think uh, you know, from my personal perspective, and even partially myself included, there's almost like a a, a cosmos amnesia. Uh, I think many souls out there walking the planet. Um, are almost numb to it, and there's, it's like an amnesia. Of, you know, they're just they're just not aware at all. Um, yeah. you know, the heightened level of awareness is a result of your internal experiences and your sensitiveness to listening to your soul, which brings me to this next question. Do you utilize the Hobbit, the movie, the Hobbit, and all the characters in the movies, kind of an allegory of about what you call to live in harmony with nature? and our journey to keep the earth livable. What is our united journey to inhabiting Eden consciousness, as you call it? It's a term that you refer to. It's a spiritual term. It's a biblical term. Um, but in essence, uh, what is that that you're referring to, and what is the united journey? When you say united, we're talking about 7 billion people that inhabit this planet.
2: Yes, I, uh, yeah, I. here we get into things like, well, tipping points. Uh, how many people uh, need to, to make this journey before the consciousness shifts? We certainly right now have, in the world, many um, structures led by people who are um, clinging with all the might that their egos have. To maintain control uh, and, in fact, stand against the evolutionary processes of our planet. Our planet, as Thomas Berry notes, is is coming to the end of the Cenozoic era, and the sixth the sixth mass extinction that's underway is is is, un, is an undeniable symptom of the fact that a major geological age is changing. So what? What where we are then is not just moji. Well, wouldn't it be nice if we all just lived in spiritual consciousness? And isn't that a, a, a nice idea? Uh, it, it's shifted out of that to where this has become an imperative. It's no longer a nice idea that we no long that we get beyond ego consciousness, beyond the greed and and meism and nationalism that keeps us. Uh, keeps us smaller than we 're capable of being it 's it's, it's moved out of out of uh, a kind of invitation of the earth and the soul to an imperative of the earth and the soul if we are not able to to accept that that invitation and that and make it our imperative, then we will continue to uh, see the earth's uh, temperature go beyond one point five degrees uh, centigrade to two degrees centigrade uh, post uh, since the industrial revolution, and uh, before this current century is halfway through, we will be living in a planet that's above uh, that that is past that two degrees centigrade mark. If if we do not accept the uh, invitation of earth and soul and make it our imperative to make to make these changes, and truth is, the imperative is very exciting. It's it's an amazing thing to move into who we are really called to be as human beings. Uh, our egos don't know anything uh, much about that really. Uh, but our, there is within us this capacity of the, of the deeper self. And when we, when we are willing to move into that in-between space, leaving what ego is comfortable with and move into new spaces, our consciousness starts expanding and we find other people who, who also want to move into these larger topographies of consciousness. And, and um, significant societal change happens, uh, and I don't think it has to happen to all um seven-plus, seven billion moving toward nine billion people, in, you know, in unison. It, it can happen in jerky fashions, and if we can get to a tipping point with enough people doing it, I think the mystery of the cosmos kicks in, and, uh, and change happens in ways that none of us could have predicted. Or as Howard Sin says, the, the future the future is too uncertain to give up hope.
1: Well, I'd say I would agree with you that it is really truly about reading this critical mass. And we're hopefully going to affect through things like what we're doing writing books, talking, uh, being on podcasts, getting the word out that we can affect some movement and critical mass in that way. That's why I'm so committed to doing the work that I do, because I think the more of this you get out there, the more opportunity you have to affect somebody's consciousness or at least affect affect their particular viewpoint or perspective or vantage point. Now, one of these vantage points is from Victor Turner. Your son introduced you to the work of Victor Turner, who made what was referred to as liminal space his special interest. What is liminality, and how does it work to produce anxiety for our egos? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Um, and by the way, I want to say, too, that, that I write about the heroic journey and like you, I want to be with people who want to you know, commit to that and be on that journey, even though I know I, I, I haven't arrived home yet on that journey. So I want to make podcasts with people like you and, and, and be in, in conversation with you because I think we know we've left where we used to be and that's what limina, liminality is about. Liminality is recognizing that, Ooh, this isn't going to be so comfortable uh you know if if we read if we read um uh, the lord of the rings you know bilbo baggins doesn't much want to leave the shire he just realizes this is this is this is out of my comfort zone so we move out of our comfort zone we like um we like to be able to hang on to the next thing before we leave the previous thing but the truth is in this heroic journey we have to leave the, the thing that we're that we've been confident about not exactly clear on what we're going to grab onto, but deep within us and we put our trust in what is deep within us and what we see happening in the earth to believe that it's important to, to, get on the move that it's insane to stay where we are and that that our deeper sanity, our deeper calling, our, our our deeper potential is to move into this liminal space. Well in liminal space some of the old old habits and some of the old rules don't apply. And that makes it a highly creative place beyond anything we could have imagined. It also makes it it also makes it dangerous and, and, and volatile. Um, so it's, it's simultaneously a highly creative and innovative space, and a space where uh, we just have to be alert, uh, and we can't do it alone. There we need other people, and uh, and the con- our consciousness is just being challenged to look at different things and hear different things and respond differently, and that's and that's what the um, drama of liminal space is and why it's a part of our heroic journey and where we need to go. Uh, Well, and one of the
1: biggest factors, Lee, that I think every soul on this planet has, there isn't one of us out there, um, that probably doesn't approach some of what we're facing with some level of fear, because we haven't been there before. But we also know that that fear is a uh, dominant factor of this And the ego uh, is really good at manifesting that uh, as a way to keep us from doing the kind of things we need to do, stepping into these new planes of existence, stepping into this new reality to shift our perspective and our thinking about how we're treating this earth and how we're living as souls on this planet. And it does take a lot of courage, and I want to state that for every listener out there All of this requires uh, a a strong sense of courage, uh, a strong sense of self, and that self knowing that it's united with with everybody else out here, Uh, regardless of our nationality, our creed, our race. uh, We are one species, so coming together to make this happen. And Lee, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth. For all of my listeners, I want to direct you to Lee's website, also, you can uh, reach out to Lee himself. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer any additional questions you have. But if, if you want to reach him for the book and learn more about the book, it's the oneearthproject.com. That's the oneearthproject.com forward slash from egos to Eden. And there's hyphens in between. We'll put a link on there as well. So you'll just be able to push a button to get there. Also, uh, if you want to read one of Lee's previous books, Blinded by Progress, came out in 2013. Great book. You can get that on Amazon as well. We'll put the links to Amazon. Again, Lee, pleasure having you on Insight Personal Growth, spending a few minutes with my listeners to expose them to From Egos to Eden. Thanks so much, Lee. Thank
2: you. My pleasure.